You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill that purpose and live that life that God has originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Father. We are persuaded this morning there will be another outpouring. We are persuaded we will be changed, we will be transformed, we will be transfigured, even as we interact with your word and with your spirit. Take all the glory, take all the honor. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You, you may be seated. God bless you. You may be seated. When I saw the time, I knew I had to. <laughs> you know, the realities of the spirit that we communicate are eternal. And when you want to co communicate an eternal reality, you need to understand that you are trying to merge two realms together. The immortal realm and the natural realm. The burden and the challenge you will face is that spiritual things cannot be exhausted because it's a perpetual continuum. So when Moses ascended high, he was there for 40 days. He came down, he didn't notice. He was not hungry. He didn't feel the impact because he entered a realm that suspended time. And so when you step into a realm that has no regard for time, and you want to download realities from that realm, it will, it will take, it will take a while. <laughs> That's why one man can know the name of Jesus. Another will call the same name of Jesus, but the impact will be different because you can't exhaust it. Because when one is calling the name of Jesus, he's speaking from a realm. Another is calling the same name, but it's not about the sound. It's about the communicated reality through the vehicle of that name. It will take depths of intimacy for you to understand the weight of that name. The first time I heard Pastor Chris call the name of Jesus, I was overwhelmed, the manifestations I saw. And I understood that certain things are beyond theology. Certain things are beyond exegesis. Certain things are dimensions that you mingle with. Because when the voice of God came into the garden, Adam was not only hearing it. Adam was having intercourse with that voice. And that's why even when Adam hid himself, he could still hear. What he goes to tell you is that Adam was not only hearing the voice. When the voice comes beyond hearing, there was a mingling that took place. It was an interaction between a mortal and an immortal spirit. And so when you want to download immortal realities... Sometimes you need to be helped. And sometimes you will need time to be able to communicate it because time has no value there. You will need a lot of it. So when I saw that my time was 42 minutes, <laughs> I had to advise myself to stop. 
At least let me travel a bit. Praise the Lord. And so last night we began to consider a subject that is ingrained in the kingdom. It says stars forever. And our anchor scripture is in Daniel chapter 12 verse 3. The Bible said, They that be wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And they say, They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. And I began to expound and explain to us that there are certain things that are a gift in this kingdom. And there are other things that are rewards. And so when you begin to journey in the kingdom, you will migrate from the realm of gifts into the realm of rewards. And I said the reason is because God is multi-breasted. There are many dimensions that is captured within that personality called God. There are many things God is that creation cannot understand. I have said it again and again that before he embarked on the enterprise of creation, he existed for aeons because his existence is himself. So God is beyond creation because he was before creation began. And just in case he decided not to create, he is still God. Now that he has decided to create, the measures of him that is allocated to creation must be understood so that we can maximize the things that are in his realm. And I said, when you begin to deal with God, you will discover that the first dimension of God you will relate with is a father. And it's important for us to understand that all of the allocated reality of God is complete in Christ. So what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the different expressions of God that is captured within Jesus Christ. Because in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. And so when you engage Christ, the first dimension you will interact with is the fatherhood of God. On the strength of the fatherhood of God, he is predisposed to blessing you with all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So what you will relate with as you interact with the fatherhood of God is the love of God. And what the love of God will do for you is that even though you were dead in sin and sin will require a death penalty for forgiveness to be prosecuted on the strength of his love he became the sin offering and took the verdict of sin which is death so that you can receive eternal life. So you strode into the kingdom smiling because you didn't pay the price. Jesus paid the price and you received eternal life. All of that is captured within the fatherhood of God because what the fatherhood of God wants to reveal to us is the love that is in the heart of the father. So we did nothing to receive eternal life. We did nothing to receive forgiveness. We did nothing to be blessed with all spiritual things in the heavenly places. All of that is because of the love of God. And so when you begin to relate with God as father, you become an heir in the kingdom. And they said we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So all things that he has is yours. On the strength of that, it will be a taboo for you to be sick. Because sickness no longer has power over you. On the strength of that, it is an error for you to be poor. Because he became poor that you become rich. On the strength of that, it will become an error for you to struggle. Everything God has, he makes available to you because of his love. Because in Christ, when he gave you Christ, he gave you all things. And so in Romans chapter 8 verse 32, he said, If he withheld not his son, but freely gave him to us, how shall he not with him give us all things? And the truth is that he's not even saying will. He already has. 
So everything we need, we command them to be. We don't beg for things in this kingdom. We command things because we are kings. And where the word of the king is, there is power. Who can say unto him, what doest thou? The benevolence of God and the tendency of God to lavish you with all of his provisions is on the strength of his love. And that is captured within the fatherhood of God. But you see, even though God gave you all things, you may not walk in all things. The reason is because you may be walking in ignorance, so you will need enlightenment. That's why we preach the gospel. So you will know you are not supposed to be sick. You know you are not supposed to be poor. So where you are operating today is a function of your understanding. All of this is under the economy of the fatherhood of God. And then you can remain there and you are enjoying your life. You grow in faith, you grow in understanding, and you'll be receiving from God every day, and you will live in abundance. But if you stop there, you will not be a star. Because God is not only Father, God is also a king. And because God is a king, He's not just here to lavish things on your life, there is also a kingdom that He wants you to prosecute. And so when you engage God and you arrive at the place of a king, you begin to deal with him on the strength of laws. Because in Galatians 4.1, it said the heir, so long as he's a child, is not different from a servant, even though he is the Lord of all. He said, therefore, he places him under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. What he wants to do with the heir is not just to educate him on how to receive his inheritance. When the heir grows from a child to become a son, he begins to take kingdom responsibility. So he will no longer come to God for what God gives. He will now ask God, what will you have me do? That one is no longer about the act. Everything God blesses you with is to cause you to live in abundance on earth. But the world does not end on earth. There is an eternal dimension. And so when you grow from a child, now you can be raising the dead and be a child. That's what I'm trying to say. You can be raising cripples from witches and be a child. I'm telling you, and I will explain all of it. Don't be bothered. You can have faith to receive all the riches in the world and you'll be a child. Because the excellency of your faith will only be on the strength of what you can receive from God. But there's another realm of faith where it's not what you receive from God, but what you give to God. The man who receives from God is a child. The man who gives to God is a son. They are two different realities. And so when you study Hebrews chapter 11, the men that were chronicled were not chronicled for what they received. They were chronicled for what they gave. Because these ones, they have judged the earth and they know that even though it is good to live a good life, we are not going to stop our work with God on the strength of a good life. If it, there is need for us to put our lives in jeopardy, we will put it so that kingdom can advance. So the Bible said in Acts chapter 15 verse 26, it says, Paul and Barnabas, these be the men that hazarded their lives for the gospel. God gave them all things, but they gave it back to God because there is a kingdom agenda. And if advancing that kingdom will affect my life, I'm willing to give it. But if you do not know that God is also king and the reward system of eternity is not based on what your faith can receive, but what, what your faith can give, you will stop at the level of the fatherhood of God. And you wake up every day, you will keep receiving from God. It's beautiful, there's nothing wrong with it. All of us will receive and we will keep receiving. But there is a place we get to and we find out, God, what do you want? What do you want? You are seeking Canada. I will wake up all night and pray for Canada. You are seeking the gospel to permeate America. 
I will not just be here receiving from you. What do you need me to do for the gospel to get into America? I need a quorum of intercessors. I am one of them. And then you will deny yourself sleep praying for that nation. Not because anything is wrong with you sleeping. But you are no longer a child. You are a son. And now you understand that God has an agenda. And you will commit yourself to advancing that agenda. God may bless you with a billion naira. And suddenly you realize that God wants the gospel to go to China. You will discover that even though it is good to build a house. I am now a son in the kingdom. And the agenda of God is my agenda. So even though you have many plans concerning that money. You will invest that money to advance in the kingdom. That one you are doing is no longer about a good life. It's an investment in eternity. You have become a son and you have been recruited into the kingdom. Those are the kind of people that we are calling stars. A star is not a gift. A star is a reward. Because of the assignment that you undertook in advancing the kingdom while you are on the earth. Two of us can be apostles. I may have faith to receive and I will keep receiving. Somebody else will have faith to give. Is higher than me in ranking in the kingdom. Even if I have more gift of the spirit, he has more rank in the kingdom. Because God can depend on him much more than he can depend on me. I may be an apostle and be a child. Another person may not have a title, but he will be an elder in the spirit. Because he has known him. That is from the beginning. I am telling you why we are not able to crack this world. Because all we are taught is the gospel for our bellies. And every time you see a crowd in church, it's either because they are prophesying or they are healing the sick or they are giving something that will empower them. But when you say, let's go for evangelism, the number reduces. When you say, let's go for vigil, the number reduces. The reason is because our God is our bellies. We have not entered kingdom. God will continually bless because his fatherhood compels him to bless. But because God is king, there is a kingdom that is looking for men that we stand with him to fulfill, to advance, because the earth, the kingdoms of this world must become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. So, in Daniel chapter 12, from verse 3, the Bible began to reveal to us that though there are many believers, because that's the Israelite of old, that's the body of Christ in the wilderness, and it also applies to us today, though there are many believers, not all of them are stars. Please don't deceive yourself. There are certain things that are a reward. He said, they that are stars are they that turn many to righteousness. Not everybody. You can be a believer and that is good. You have eternal life. You can exercise your faith and receive from God. But for you to become a star in the world to come, because he's not talking about this realm alone. He's talking about when the heavens open and you begin to see the glories that are yonder. He said, that is when you will see those that have rank in Zion. And he said, in case you want to be among the stars, he said, you must be preoccupied with one of God's agenda, which is turning men to righteousness. You can walk through this world and be so blessed of God, but you never turned anybody to righteousness. You will go to enjoy with God in eternal life or in eternity, but you won't be among the stars of God. Those who will be stars of God, this is their requirement. And so I told us yesterday, the kingship of God will insist that on the day, until the man participates in kingdom, he cannot receive reward. The fatherhood of God insists that a man must be blessed. But the kingship of God insists that reward must be based on your service. That's why he said he's not unjust to forget your labor of love. Because he's not just a father. He is a king and he's a judge. 
Every time we only relate with God the Father, as beautiful as it is, we are children. So every time you fall on your knees, you are praying for a husband. Every time you fall on your knees, you are praying for a healing. Every time you fall on your knees, you are praying for a contract. You are a child. Come on, Peter. Because God can't trust you with kingdom. Because the day you get a husband, your knee will no longer hit the ground. The day you get your contract, your knee will no longer hit the ground. The day you get what you are looking for, you, can, you will no longer be on the altar. Your altar will die. And so when God is looking for men, he won't count you. Unfortunately, even though you have eternal life, you are not a star. And so we began to share yesterday that the first requirement of being a star is to pay the price to turn many to righteousness. And because of our time, we highlighted only three things. The first thing we highlighted was that you can't turn men to righteousness until you bet them in the place of prayer. And so everyone that wants to become a star in the kingdom must journey through the altar and on the altar gain rank with God. Paul said, my little children, of whom I travail again in prayer until Christ be formed in you. Galatians 4.19. That is a dimension that is allocated only to men that understand the body in the heart of God. You can go to the office and you don't care if everybody is sinning. You just thank God because you are blessed. You are walking in health. That is very beautiful. But you don't know what is in the heart of God. Because God is not only interested in you in that office. God wants to win your boss. But you don't know because you have not borne that body. Paul said, my little children, it's a travail. It's the same thing a woman goes through before putting to bed. The same pain that a woman undergoes for delivery. Because the business of turning men to righteousness is a warfare in the spirit. People are not fornicating because they want to. People are not living in wickedness because they want to. There is a prince of this world that causes men to walk in rebellion. According to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2, it's a power of the air that causes men to walk in rebellion. And before you go to the street, you must win them on the altar. That's why he said in Isaiah 66 from verse 8, he said, as soon as Zion traveled, she brought forth. Stars are travelers in the kingdom. And when they pray, all their prayer is not God give me bread and wine because the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. Their prayer is not God give me a job. Nothing is wrong with that. But in addition to receiving from God, they know how to bet purposes in the spirit. They know how to bet men in the spirit. They know how to bet movements in the spirit. He said in Colossians chapter 4 verse 12, Epaphras is one of you. But there is a difference. He said he is a born servant of Christ. You may be a child of God basking in eternal life, but Epaphras have migrated from just being a child. You know when Paul was writing his treatise, Paul said, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ and a preacher. When Paul began to walk with God, he journeyed from an apostle, he became a servant. After a while, he journeyed from a servant, he became a prisoner. Because the more you know him, the more you will know that you are not here to live for yourself. You will now discover that you are God's strategy of winning this world. And if you are God's strategy for winning this world, the only way you can get there is when you arrive at that point where you say, not my will, but thine. But that is not just a confession you make. Before you make that confession, your sweat will become like blood because you will back 
battle with the flesh to get to a point where you can say, not my will, but thine. Those are the kind of men that the Bible speaks of as stars. You see, Epaphras is one of you. A born servant of Christ, laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. People are not perfect just because you preach the right gospel. You must bet them in the spirit before you can bring the word of the Lord to them. A man who is joining on the path of stars must be a man that understands the language of the altar. This is how Abraham colonized the whole territory of Bethel. Bethel was not won because Abraham was a warrior. Bethel became the house of God because Abraham was a man of the altar. And even many years when his son, grandson Jacob, was walking through Bethel, he wouldn't see any tent because tents were not there anymore. But the altars, they are an eternal memorial. Tents may go down, but altars will remain. Altars, they remain. And when Jacob fell on the ground, he fell on that altar. And then he saw the reality of that altar. That that altar was a traffic, angelic traffic into that territory. So the reason Bethel remained the territory of God is not because Abraham taught a message. It's because Abraham erected an altar. Nigeria will not change until the quorum of intercessors are complete. Lagos, Abuja will not change just because we tell them that we are Christians. The prayer power that we generate must become a womb of the spirit that incubates the territory until he wins it over. This is why when God wants to affect the world, he begins to look for men that have understanding. I'm not thinking of a consumer generation that comes to me every day for what I can give them. We are the men like Paul who will say, Lord, what will you have me do? And the first thing you will do is to turn me into righteousness. And it's not just a message. It is first of all a travail in the spirit. Number two, when you travail in the spirit, you will go out. In Mark chapter 4, 16 verse 20, it said they went out. You don't just travail and remain in your room. The sinners are on the streets. The sinners are in the market. You will go there to meet them. And I tell you, when you want to go out, you discover it's difficult. Because there are many other things you have to do. But many times you will let go of them. Sometimes if you want to go out, it is difficult because of your reputation. Because of your status in society, it may become difficult. But when you can look beyond your reputation and your status, and you can run after the sinner and convert them to Christ, God will not forget that labor. That's why he calls you a star. He said they went out preaching the word and the Lord confirming their words with signs and wonders. I can assure you today, because I travel around this country, mostly among youths, I can tell you today that close to 70% have no business with soul winning. Our world has preoccupied us with fashion. We are interested in how our hair looks. How our face look. How our fingers look. We are interested in how we dress. The color of our tie. Matchmaking. But the ruggedness of the fathers of old. Where a whole church can go out on evangelism. Very few are still practicing it. Thank God. They are, they are so, those who are doing a great job. I'm not pessimistic. But I tell you there is great work to be done. If you check yourself where you are sitting. In the last one month. How many souls have you won? Because you are not going out. It's not enough to come to church and lift your hands and be blessed. A word is dying and God depends on you after having travailed to go out to the street and win them. 
and on the strength of that labor that you put in when you cross over from this side of the divide he said you will not come there as a man just with eternal life you will come there as a star forever and ever and if you know then this is what a price to pay number three i said when you go out you must go out with the message of jesus the message of salvation is not about moses it's not about enoch when we teach men the kingdom of god there are many principles we can draw from their life but when we go out to address sinners we preach christ and him crucified in acts chapter 4 verse 12 he said there is salvation in no other only in jesus paul said in first corinthians chapter 15 from verse 3 to 4 that they preached jesus who was crucified who died buried and rose from the dead it looks very simple for two reasons number one simple so that everybody can preach it whether you are educated or you are not educated you don't need a master's degree to be a soul winner it doesn't matter whether you are educated or you are not educated you can go out there and tell people jesus the son of god loves you he died for your sin and he rose from the dead and is calling you into the kingdom it is so simple so that you won't give an excuse to the lord when you get to heaven it's not a complex message that you need to study theology before you are able to preach it's a simple message so that even a politician can preach it a professor of medicine can preach it an illiterate can preach it nobody has excuse not to have preached the gospel number two it is simple because it is not the intelligence of the message that converts men is the power of the holy spirit so when souls are converted you know it's not because you're an orator when souls are converted you know it's not because you are sophisticated when souls are converted you know it was the power of the holy spirit that convicted them and on the strength of that all your life you will give thanks and you will never take the glory for it that's why when he said we should pray for the sick he said just lay hands on them when you lay hand on the sick and they recover you will know that you did nothing you only believed so you can't take the glory for it he makes it simple so that the excellency will be of god and that's why even though he taught and trained the apostles for over three years he said to them in luke 24 19 tarry in jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high tarry it is the power of the holy spirit that does the job in acts chapter 1 verse 8 he said not many days from now you shall receive the holy ghost and power and you shall be witnesses unto me you shall be witnesses because the power has come how come you have the power of the holy spirit and it remained bottled in your spirit how come the power of the holy spirit that you carry have not changed the life of anybody how come the power of the holy spirit that you carry have not changed the situation of your environment how come this power is only meant for what you eat and drink you have not known the kingdom you have only come into the family of god but you have not understood the kingdom of god when you come into the family of god god is obliged and obligated to provide your need but when you come into the kingdom you participate with the holy spirit to win your word for god and i tell you the truth many know the family of god but they don't know the kingdom of god when you leave this world you will discover that the world to come is not just a family it's a kingdom and there are many men that will be ranking in that world not because they came to church but because they labored with the holy spirit while they were on earth if you are on earth and all you are doing is living a good life you are wasting 
In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Him that liveth for pleasure is dead while he walketh. Because he is not appearing in the radar of God. God can't depend on him. The church of Christ must wake up to the assignment of the last day. The warrior church. The army of God marching on and taking over every territory for the Lord. To be a star, you must become an ardent soul winner. And it begins from intercession to going out as you are led by the Holy Spirit and then to preaching the simple gospel of our Lord and personal Savior. Number two, which is what I want to share this morning. What makes you a star? I pray that I'm constrained. I don't want to press deep into a lot of things. But I pray you understand that we are just pilgrims on the earth. That even if you live for a hundred years, it's a dot in eternity. I pray God brings into your heart the urgency and the weight of what I'm communicating. That we know that this world has already been judged. He said the element of this world will melt. I pray the Lord brings the urgency to your heart to know that we are in the last days. And before you know what is happening, tomorrow might just be the day. And it will, bear, it will down on you that you have not invested enough in eternity. When I read about Ranhard Bonke, I almost wept. I say, well, how can one man make so much of a lifetime? One man won 79 million souls. One man. And I walked on the same earth with him. I have the same faith with him. I have the same eternal life with him. I have the same Holy Ghost with him. What am I doing here? That's a man that understands the world to come. Most of us know how this world works. But we don't know how the world that is to come work. If you understand, you will pay the price. I assure you. To be a star in that world. We are not preachers. We are not singers. We are witnesses. Because the goal is to bring the world to the government of Jesus. We witness through preaching. We witness through singing. Pastor Bucci was not singing just because he loved singing. It's a witness and a testimony to a generation. About a God that is great. And the earth needs him to be relevant. How come you are in church and you don't realize that time is ticking and God expects you to invest in eternity. A week passes. You have not invested in Zion. He said, heaven rejoice when one soul is added to the kingdom. To tell you how significant it is in the eyes of the Father. Jesus said, what shall he profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That means when you win one soul, you have brought to God more than the whole world. Because on the scale of divine justice, one soul is superior to the world. And so every time you win a soul, you bring wealth to the kingdom of God much more than everything the world has to offer. But there are too many lukewarm Christians that are neither hot nor cold. And that will be one of the crises of the last day. He said, because you are neither hot nor cold, I will spill you out of my mouth. You will not leave this conference until the spirit and the grace for soul winning rest upon you mightily. You will not just be that Christian that comes to God for what you want. You will be that Christian that comes to God 
for what you will give. And one of the things you can give to God, aside worship, aside your sacrifice of praise, is the offering of men. Paul lifted men to God as an offering. What makes you a star in the kingdom is the power and the degree to which you turn men to righteousness. Number two, what makes you a star in the kingdom is when you become an overcomer. There are about seven things the Lord showed me on this subject. But I will just talk about who an overcomer is. You know, we need, we need men that understand the reality of the last days to begin to teach the body of Christ. So that first of all, we understand where we are in God's calendar. Many people are still making the mistake of assuming that where we are is still Christianity as usual. No, it's not. We are in the last days. And then we need men that understand how eternity works. Pastors have spent all their time teaching men how to succeed in this life. But they have not taught men how to succeed in the life that is to come. And that's why we are wasting that life with the blessings of this life. May you not be found wasting the possibilities of eternity with the blessings that God gives you in this life. Because if you truly understand, you will know that everything you have in this life is a, a capital to invest in the life that is to come. Because life is not actually in this realm. This realm has already been judged. We are just given an opportunity to invest in the world that is to come. That's why the greatest revelation a man will have in time is the revelation of purpose. Because purpose reveals to you why God sent you here. That means the part you have to play in God's agenda. The greatest revelation of your life is not how to succeed. The greatest revelation of your life is not how to live where. The greatest revelation of your life is to discover why you came and what you must do to be relevant when you live here, when your score are read in eternity. How do you become a star? When you become an overcomer. Let me read a few scriptures for us. About the things that happen to the overcomers. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. It said, him that overcometh. From the B part now. It said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. It said, to him that overcomes. I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of my God. I wish I had time to talk to us about life. So we understand what eternal life is. There are six realms of life that man will experience on the earth. But the seventh realm of life will be experienced only in eternity. Life has different cadres. When God created man, the first order of life God gave man was the animal life. The animal life runs on the frequency of the blood. That's why the Bible said that the life of the flesh is 
in the blood. Deuteronomy 17 verse 11. The life of the flesh. That's the first life. The man God formed from the ground. They gave him the animal life. The second realm of life is the soulish life. He said in Genesis 2, 7, that when God formed the man from the dust, he breathed into the man. The man became a living soul. These two order of life operate in the natural. They are fleshly life. They cannot inherit the kingdom. But God was graduating the man from one keda to another keda. And so after God breathed into the man and the man became a living soul, in Genesis 2 verse 9, he said God planted the tree of life in the garden because God wanted the man to enter the third keda of life. That was supposed to be the God life. But the man did not eat of the tree of life. Now when Jesus came, what Jesus did was to bring that life that the man didn't graduate into. That's why whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. That's why whoever receives Christ receives life. Because it's about a migration in life. Now, when you receive eternal life, you enter into the economy of God. And everything God has becomes yours. But you're also expected to progress in eternal life. The fourth realm of eternal life is righteousness. The ability to live under the laws of God. That's why it said in Romans chapter 8 verse 2, the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus have set me free. That kind of life is not just you receive healing, you receive wealth, you receive prosperity. That kind of life delivers you from the bondage of corruption. It is the power to live a holy and a righteous life in this realm because of the workings of the Holy Ghost on your inside. When you enter the fourth realm of life, there is yet a fifth realm of life. That is the realm of secrets. That's why we are Christians, but we can't, all of us can't do the same thing. One man touches a crippled person, he stands up. You touch the same crippled person, he doesn't stand up. Not because you don't have the Holy Spirit, not because you don't have faith, not because you don't know the word of God, but there is a secret that is committed to him. Because that realm of life functions on the strength of your fear and reverence for God. It's authority, it's not just a gift. He said, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He will show them his covenant. The fifth realm of life is the realm of knowledge. The realm of knowledge is called the epignosis realm. In John chapter 17 verse 3, he said, whoever believeth in me. He said, this is life eternal, that you may know, that you may experience God. So there are many people that the level they have is just what they were taught from Bible school. But there are many people that know the Holy Spirit as a person. There are many people that know God as a person. They have experience of God. They have grown. When you reach that sixth level, then you are waiting for translation. When you are translated, then you come to the seventh realm of life. He say, I will allow them to eat of the tree of life. That is in the paradise of my God. These are reward systems in heaven. Now, you may not take it serious because maybe you have not been taught about eternity. But I believe pastor is a kingdom man and you understand deeply the things I'm sharing. But you would understand something. That when you have eternal life, the judgment of God on the sinner, you are removed from it. That's to show you the difference between eternal life and the soulish life. You may be very intelligent and very reasonable. 
You are even wealthy. You are the richest man in the world. But you don't have Jesus Christ. You will be condemned. But the moment you receive eternal life, you migrate from condemnation to justification. That's to tell you that there are words apart. Now, if the difference between eternal life and the soulish life is from condemnation to justification, imagine the difference between eternal life and the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. They are, they are rights in the world to come. Many rights. And let me show you one of those rights. It said, they that overcome. In Revelation 3, 21, he said, they shall sit with me on my throne. You know, James and John's mother came to him and said, allow my sons to sit on your right and your left. Now, when we talk about thrones in the kingdom, it's about authority. It's about dominion. So there is a realm you will enter in the world to come that we rule even in the world to come. This is why we constantly migrate. He said they will sit with me on thrones. As if that was not enough. He went further. And he said in Revelation 2.26, he said they that overcome, that receive this life, he said I will give power over the nations. These are reward systems. This is not just part of the fact that I received Jesus Christ and I'm saved. These ones are allocations of authority in the world to come. So in the world to come, there are men that will live like presidents. We will not all be the same. He said, I will give them power over the nations. Imagine where you are now and imagine if you were the president of this country. Think of the things you can do with that level of authority. The same things will happen in the world to come. But they are a function of those who will overcome in this life. Just the way you become a star by turning many to righteousness. When you become an overcomer, you will eat of the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. He said he will establish you as a pillar in the courts of his God. You will no longer go out or come in. He said he will give you power over the nations. These are the things we contend for. That in the world to come, we will not just be ordinary people. Paul said, I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, there remained for me a crown. He didn't say, there remained for me a crown because I'm born again. He said, there remained for me a crown because I have run my race. I have fought a good warfare. I have kept the faith. So for you to qualify, you must fight a good warfare. And I will show you some of the warfares that Paul fought. You will be able to have kept the faith. These are the battles of the overcomers. The men that God trusts because in this life they won. And when they get to that realm, they can trust them with authority. Christianity is not a religious enterprise. Christianity is divinity expressed through humanity. Christianity is an adventure in God. Christianity is a journey into eternal inheritance. It's not enough for you to be a prophet, a bishop, or an apostle. There are certain things that is available to everybody if they will journey with God. To become a star. To become an overcomer. 
And like I said from the beginning, you may not be a prophet, but you'll be an overcomer. And on earth, you may not have a title, but when you get to heaven, we will be surprised when we get to heaven. The Bible said women received their dead back to life. These women were not, they were not so honorable among men to even be given a, a designation. They didn't have any title. They were not even distinguished. At least when he spoke about David, Samuel, and the prophet, you know who they were. These women, they didn't even mention their names. He said they received their dead back to life. He now says some were sown asunder. He said these men, the word is not worthy for their names to be mentioned. There is a realm and there is an honor in the world to come that you must contend for. When God gave him the title, stars forever, he wanted to draw our attention back to eternity. That life does not begin and end with this realm. Don't be a champion in this realm and a failure in the world to come. There are many prizes you must pay in this realm in order to be a champion in the world to come. One of it is to turn many to righteousness and number two is to become an overcomer. Who is an overcomer? If you are walking through this life, there are five things you will overcome. And when you overcome these things, be rest assured that the world to come, you will be a ruler. There are two of those dimensions that is addressed in Christ. And there are two other dimensions that God allows us to walk through and experience. You know, when God created this world, recreated this world, he brought Eden from heaven. Eden downloaded from heaven. The same way the tabernacle of Moses was a pattern from heaven. Eden was a pattern from heaven. And that's why God walked in and out of Eden. Because it was a bridge between heaven and earth. But God allowed Adam to translate Eden to all the other parts of the earth. So everything God does, he wants you to participate in it so that you can experience him. The same applies to eternal life. That's why when God gave you eternal life, he allowed you to understand. He allowed you to go and study, meditate, pray to understand how to walk in divine health. He allowed you to know and to study and to understand how to walk in prosperity. All of that was in eternal life. But he wanted you to also learn how to walk in it. So when you started out in eternal life, once upon a time you are sick. And then you begin to meditate on God's word, confess God's words, apply God's word. And then you discover that you begin to walk in divine health. That divine health was already allocated in eternal life. But God wanted you to experience it. So everything God does, he allows us a portion to handle. The same thing applies to overcoming. In the journey of the overcomer, two things were overcome in Christ, but three other things will we partner with the Holy Spirit to overcome. The first two things you must overcome or that you have overcome because you are in Christ is number one, death. Every overcomer must overcome death. And thanks be to God, we overcame death in Christ Jesus. In John chapter 5 verse 26, the Bible said, whoever believeth in me has passed from death 
to life. He shall no longer be brought to condemnation because he has passed. The word is in past tense. He didn't say he will pass. He said he has passed from death to life. So in Christ Jesus, we overcame death. Number two, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to 13, he said, these things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He said, for whoever receives the Son, or whoever hath the Son, hath life. So every one of us that received Jesus, we already have life, and we have passed from death to life. So you don't need to, to pray about the second death. You have crossed it already. Because that was allocated to you when you received Jesus Christ. We are no longer in contention with death. Death has been defeated. And death will be the last enemy to be destroyed. So even when we leave this world, we don't die. We translate. So the Bible said, David, after he served his generation according to the will of God, he slept. Because for us, we don't die. We translate to glory. The reason is because we don't end. We pass from one level of glory to another level of glory. We have overcome death. The second thing we have overcome is Satan or the devil. We already have victory over the devil. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, it says, Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. He didn't do it in secret. It was made public so that you will not be deceived. You will know. So any form the devil comes to attack you, you are assured that you have victory over the devil. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a public show of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So every time the devil shows up, he can show up through subtlety, he can show up to intimidate you, whichever form he takes. All you need to do is, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, get out. In the Old Testament, you needed to give tithe for the devourer to be cast. In the New Testament, you don't give tithe for devourers to be cast away. You cast away the devourer. The reason you give tithe is because your first portion is an honor to the Lord. You give it to honor the Lord so that all that you have will be sanctified. But anywhere the devourer come, be it in the dream or any time, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I command you, get out. He has no choice. Because having won principalities and powers, he made a public show of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And like Paul, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So I was there. The devil has no power over me anymore. Every one of us have overcome death. Every one of us have overcome Satan. The third thing we have also overcome in Christ is the word. In John chapter 16 verse 33, it says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he did not just overcome the world. He brought you into that economy. And what did he say? In 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, it says, whoever is born of God 
overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Whoever is born of God. Are you born of God? Yes. If you are born of God, then you already have authority over the world system. But this is the problem. Many people are not aware. So they still go back to make a slave of themselves to the world system. They say, whoever you yield yourself servant to obey, the servant of him you are, whom you have obeyed. There is an error in our generation today that men are becoming so worldly even when they are carrying out sacred assignments. The world is not our inspiration. The Holy Spirit is our inspiration. When we make a slave of ourselves of the things we have overcome, then we are like the swine that even though we were baited, we go back to dent ourselves in the mud. That's what's happening to a lot of believers. So when you hear people sing, the, the, the beats, the lyrics, sometimes everything is gotten from the world system. When you see believers dance, all their steps is the world system. You cannot even tell the difference between a church and a club. Because we have gone back to be enslaved by the world system. Because we don't know that we are born of God. Every time you require the world to inspire you, you condescended. Because your inspiration is the Holy Spirit. But many are not walking as overcomers in the context of the world system. If you allow the world swallow you up, you will lose the rewards of an overcomer. And you will not be a star in the world to come. The reason is because the danger of worldliness is that it blinds your eyes from spiritual realities. Every time you allow the world dominate you, because people will tell you it's not a sin. They are singing secular songs. They are dancing to secular music. And then when you confront them, they say they are not sinning. I don't have the time to theologically debate it with you. But even if you claim you are not sinning, what you need to know is that you are allowing the influence of another spirit dominate you. And not long enough, you will be blinded. You will go to the altar to pray and you will discover you will sleep on the altar for two hours. The ability, the grace to pray would have gone. Because... Everything that flows from the world comes to make you a slave. It will blind you and spiritual things will no longer make sense to you. So you come to church, they say pay tight. You say no, pastors want to take our money. The church doesn't need your money to prosper. Every time you give to the Lord, you are giving yourself an opportunity to prosper. Every time you give to the Lord, you are also making a statement that your heart is with God. Because where a man's heart is, there his treasures lie. But when you have become too worldly, people on Facebook will teach you what to do with your money. So you will walk out of the kingdom voluntarily. And then a businessman on Facebook comes to tell you that I give people millions. You, you give to your pastor. I don't give to my pastor. I give to my God. My pastor is a channel. But he can't understand it. The reason he cannot understand it is because he is blinded by the God of this world. He said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Whom the God of this world have blinded their eyes, the eyes of their understanding. They are darkened. They are veiled. Every time you listen to a worldly music, what you don't know is that you are worshipping that spirit. Because one thing that music does, 
And let me just digress for two minutes. I've, I've done a teaching on the mysteries of sound. Sound are not just entertainment instruments. I was so blessed when Pastor Bucci said, it's not the mouth that sings, it's the heart. So profound. I'll take time to study around that. But let me tell you something. Sounds are not just for entertainment. The first thing you, know, you need to know about sound is that sound is a law in the spirit. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 5, it says when you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the decimer, it said bow and worship the graven image. So every time you hear a sound, there is a command that comes with it. Worship. It's a law in the spirit. When you hear a sound inspired by the Holy Spirit, you will naturally worship him because every sound comes with a spiritual law. The moment you hear, bow. That's the law of sound. You cannot hear sound and not worship. It is impossible for a man to hear sound and not worship. But the difference is, who is the spirit you bow to? Is it of God or of this age? And when you hear the inspirations and the sound from this world, over time, you will find out that you are falling back to fornication. You will find out that you begin to compromise naturally because you are obeying that spirit. The law says when you hear the sound, bow. The second thing about sound is that spirit and spiritual realities travel on sound. Sounds are very spiritual vehicles. Sounds are not only a law. They are vehicles of spiritual transport. That's why when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2 from verse 1, it said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it said they were gathered together in one accord and suddenly they heard a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. The Holy Ghost alighted upon them. So the Holy Ghost came on the vehicle of sound. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it said the Son of God will descend with a shout. Every time you hear a sound, a spirit is traveling. They are vehicles of spirit transport. Number three, sounds are instruments of creation. They are realities that don't exist in your realm. The things you hear, you think they are lyrics. They are not lyrics. They are creative tools. That's why when God, when in Genesis chapter 1, it said the earth was void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God was moving. Nothing happened until sound came. Light! appear instantly light appears you open your home you open your heart to demonic sounds you think you are enjoying yourself you are not enjoying yourself things are being created in your spirit and over time fear we enter your spirit anxiety we enter your spirit uncertainty we enter your spirit because of that fear and anxiety you start living in worry and then it translates to cancer and then you are saying where did this cancer come from it came because it was created when you were listening to those sounds. But you don't know. They are spiritual things. But all of that is a part of worldliness. Because our generation don't know that overcomers are men that have won this world. You have not won this world. God can't bank on you. God can't bank on you. There is too much worldliness in our generation. They thought the fourth thing we overcome is the flesh. This is the hardest part. And I'm showing you what makes men stars in the kingdom. When you see a man who is a star in the kingdom, he has power over this world. You can't drag him into what 
the Holy Ghost is not telling him to do. He functions at his, as his led. The step of the righteous is ordered by the Lord. You, doesn't, you don't care if they are doing a birthday party by your, by the, by your house. I'm not looking for a, a birthday party. I don't just begin to dress because a popular musician starts dressing in that way. You don't find me begin to cut my hair just because a musician in the world begins to cut my hair. You can't come to my house and find me watching Big Brother Niger. There's no message there. What are they showing me? And then you come out, somebody from Big Brother Niger says something and it becomes a lyrics on the mouth of Christians. Sometimes you hear Christians make certain phrases. You say, what is that? They say, that is what is raining. We don't work with what is raining. We work with what the Holy Ghost is doing. There's a spiritual activity in our spirits. But many don't know. You ask them, they say, it's not a sin. And then you open your parlor to Big Brother Niger for one month. And then all kinds of seduction, all kinds of hodomy, all kinds of, of nudity and evil concupiscence released into your territory. And you don't know what is going on because you are worldly. You have not won the battle of the world. You can't be a star. If you like, leave that place and go to church on Monday. Go on Friday. Go on Saturday. The devil will still weaken your spirit, man. Because your house has become a potter. You won't catch me watching. What am I learning from a secular movie? What are they teaching me? Every principle they have to teach you. You can learn it from scriptures. It is worldliness that keeps tearing us. You claim you are watching a movie where they are showing how somebody is helped. And in that same movie, there is rape, there is indecent dressing, there is all kinds of nudity expressed. And then you claim you are, you are learning a lesson. So you learn one lesson and you corrupt your soul a, ten, a thousand times. It's worldliness. But we have not overcome. It takes engaging God and paying prices of separation to overcome this world. There is no man that overcomes this world and doesn't pay the price of separation. That's why I say no man that worried entangled himself with civilian affairs. But his job is what? To please his master that called him to battle. That means when you begin to entangle yourself with the world, you are no longer living to please your master. You are now living to please your appetites. That's why I said, what is in the world? First John chapter 2 verse 15. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. The pride of life. A man functioning at that frequency is not an overcomer. I don't argue with his born again status. But I can tell you boldly that it's of the world. And he said, they that love the world, the love of the father is not in them. You must overcome the world. If you want to be a star in Zion, if the kingdom of God means anything to you at all, and you plan to be a star in that kingdom, you must overcome the world. And the way to overcome the world is to refuse the influence of this age over you. I don't look like a, a comedian. I don't look like a, a secular music star. You will never find anything they say on my lips. We are the stars to our world. They are not the stars to us. The people of the world are dying and perishing. How can a dying man be your star? How can a dying man be your role model? And then somebody tells you his role model. And then he says, secular? Oh dear Lord. 
corruption worldliness i'm not being judgmental i'm just showing you kingdom standards and patterns because these are spiritual realities that build spiritual civilizations and i'm not saying the way you choose to appear if decent is wrong god loves excellence but i'm saying ensure that your disposition is not inspired by a secular person or somebody that is not of God. Let it be by the Holy Spirit. If I want to cut my hair, I can cut my hair any way I want to cut it. But I'm not copying from a worldly person. I'm doing it because that's how I want to do it. If I want to dress, I dress any way I want to dress. So long as it's decent. But I'm not trying to look like somebody who is a slave of an alien spirit. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm not saying cut your hair in a certain way or don't plate your hair. That's not, the, that's, not the, that's not the message. The message is ensure that your inspiration and your expression is within the context of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Wordliness. Number four, the flesh. The flesh. There are many people that are ruled by their feelings. And what it means is that there's a decline in your status in life. He said, we walk by faith, not by sensory perception. We have grown past the level of feelings. We have grown past the level where we are manipulated by our feeling. We do things based on what the word says. The moment a man ceases to function by the standard of God's word, he has fallen back to flesh. He's being regulated by what he wants. And so the way to pay the price for the flesh is to ensure that you submit to the Holy Spirit and he mortifies the deeds of the flesh. There is a mortification that we must constantly subject ourselves to. Because if our flesh is not motivated, it will stop us from being relevant with God in the kingdom. When we talk about flesh, we are not talking sin, basically. We are talking about the weakness and the lack of ability and strength to do what the spirit prompts us to do. The reason many don't go for evangelism, they want to. But when it's four o'clock, they are tired. So the flesh is not just about sin. You lack the power to dominate your flesh and to follow your spirit. A man can be irrelevant in this kingdom because of sleep. He has not mastered his body. In 1 Corinthians 9.26, Paul said, I beat my body. I bring it under subjection. In Romans 8.11, he said, the flesh, the spirit will mortify the deeds of the flesh. And then when you want to understand the flesh and see the things that God mortifies, in Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21, it gives you all the works of the flesh. So long as all of these things are your operating system, you can't be an overcomer. It means you are still being ruled by the elements of your system. But what God expects us is to grow beyond it. That's what the Bible calls being carnally minded. So somebody comes to church, there are certain things he doesn't want to do, 
because they spoke to him or her the last time the way he doesn't want. And so, no, no, I, don't, I, I didn't like the way they spoke to me. So, and then he removes himself from the service of God. Because either choir master said something he didn't like or pastor said something she didn't like. I don't like it. I'm just coming to worship God. You don't know worship. Maybe you came to play, but you don't know worship. <laughs> I want to worship God. I'm just on my own corner. Corner. You can't be your corner in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we are a corporate persona. He said, we are one body. We are one body. <laughs> we are one body. But because anger, malice, you see all of those things, and then they are so proud about it. They, they even act civilized with pride. They act civilized with malice. No, excuse me, excuse me. You are on your way to eternal irrelevance. High-mindedness all over the place. Because we have not won the battle of the flesh. Somebody comes to the altar and ministers because the power of God moves. The next thing, the you can't talk to the person again. We will subdue the flesh. The flesh will be mortified. The flesh will be suffocated. Because there is a kingdom that is in view. And that kingdom is superior to everything you want. Have you not seen Christians that try to pull down others because they have a problem? Manifestations of the flesh. Some people even prophesy the doom of others because they have problem. And they make it look as if it's the Holy Ghost. It's flesh masqueraded. Most times when you hear people speak evil of other people, it's flesh. I learned something from Pastor Chris. He said, never be caught Speaking evil of another man. He said, when you see it on the internet, don't click it. When you click it, you make it popular. Don't be part of that agenda. Only things that exhort. Only things that glorify. Those are the things that should be found on your lips. But people have itchy ears. They want to hear about that brother that sinned yesterday. And when they hear it, they have not preached about Jesus Christ in one year. But they will preach to 10,000 people of how Sister Mata fell. Can you imagine Sister Mata? Oh my God. I thought Sister Mata was a Christian. Can you imagine? But you have not told anybody about Jesus Christ. Now you have told 50 people about Sister Mata. Because you want, you, you enjoy people being put down. That's what your flesh looks for. But when a spiritual man hears such things, he loses his sleep. Because you must pray that person back to his feet. We don't endorse sin. But we don't glory when men fall. Because it's not a testimony. It's a depletion of the kingdom. Today I tell you even among pastors. When you see the witchcraft. The witchcraft. The manipulation. Among pastors. You will wonder where is the kingdom of God. Because flesh. The battle of the flesh has not been won. And that's why even though we are many. It looks as if our number counts for nothing. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name. So two or three is enough. How come we are 10,000? Yet we can't change things in the territory. Because flesh is still masquerading. 100 people came for fellowship. 30 are, 
are having malice or issues with themselves. You can't be together in one accord. And that's why we don't have power over the princes in the territory. The vigils are going on, but the government is not changing. The vigils are going on, and things are still going wrong in the market. Where is the problem? The problem is not with our confession. It's with the flesh. Because the same you that came to church to join hands and pray with your pastor, you are the same person speaking evil of your pastor behind. The same sister you held hands with and prayed together in the Holy Ghost is the sister that you spoke evil of. You enjoy it when people are put down because flesh is still there. When you are preaching, people are sleeping but begin to gossip. They will be agile for four hours. Stars. He said the apostles, they dwell together in one accord. They were one. Please sit down. They were one. These are overcomers. These are men that God can entrust the highest authority even in the world to come. When Saul died, the soldier thought that David would be excited that Saul had fallen. Nobody sent him. He ran to David. Overtook the first the real messenger and came to David and lied that I saw him at the point of death and I fell upon him. Ah! You were not afraid because he's a fleshly man. He thought David would be happy that uh, Saul had been destroyed. Today, when you have a problem with somebody and they say something happened to you, they'll they laugh. They'll say, We knew. We knew. We knew. So there's perception engineering in the body of Christ everywhere. Because somebody has a problem with you, it's either you, talk, you pull him down or you, you, you say things. And then you are watching for evil to happen to him. And when evil happened to him, you say, yes, we knew. You knew. If, if, if it was true that you knew and you didn't pray, you, are, you will share in the judgment. Because if I tell an evil man, you will be destroyed. Ezekiel 3.18 And you do not tell him, I will demand his blood of your hand. You are bold to say you knew somebody will fail and you were watching for him to fail. That's the body of Christ where we are in. Flesh. In high quarters. He said, why were you not afraid? He called somebody to fall upon him. And when he, he was killed, David rent his garment and wept for Saul and Jonathan for the whole day. David began to curse the mountains of Gibor. Why they were able to stand in the day that the lost anointed fell. David wept for the man that was chasing him to kill him. If you know what David went through. David slept in caves. David had to go to live with his enemy. David acted like a madman for months just to survive. And the same man hunting him dies and he was weeping. What man is that? That's an overcomer. He has won the battle of flesh. His flesh can no longer dictate for him. There are most of us here, we are powerful when we are angry. We are of the flesh. You can lie down, you can pray. But the moment they told you somebody said something against you, you spring up. You become anointed by anger. And then when you finish, you go and quote two scriptures. And then you speak in tongue. Maya, Maya. 
Praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, yesterday was revival service. Today I just want to share a few things. Overcomers. We have not overcome flesh. And it's so unfortunate because in the Holy Spirit, the Bible said in Romans 8, 9, whoever is, receives the Spirit is not in the flesh. But the problem is that everything we overcame in Christ or in the Holy Spirit, we still make ourselves slaves of those things. And then finally, it's sin. Every overcomer must overcome sin. In John chapter 2 verse 12, he said, I write unto you children because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. But when he came to sons, he didn't talk about sins. When he came to fathers, he didn't talk about sin. Because only children sin in this kingdom. He said, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you are strong. The word of the Lord abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So the reason sons and fathers don't sin is captured in that scripture. Sons do business with the world. Fathers, they dwell in the presence. If a man allows the word of God to dwell in him richly, he will not sin. Because it's possible not to sin. I know they made us feel that it's impossible to live without sin. But that's not a Bible teaching. In 1 John chapter 3 from verse 6, John was writing. And listen to what John said. He said, Whosoever abided in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. That means when you see him, you will live above sin. Why? Because in verse 2, John said that when we see him, we will be like him. So every time you see him, you are changed. Second Corinthians 3, 18, he said, we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass, the image of the Lord, we are changed. But for you to behold him, in verse 6, he said what? To abide. So overcomers are men that take time to abide in God's presence. We are a Christianity of a rush. We are running somewhere. So when you say, let's stay with God for three hours, three hours become like three months. But we can sit with a movie for eight hours, for ten hours. That's why we continue to see. Because what you see, you become. When you stop being a child, you will behold him in the world, the perfect law of liberty, and you will stay in his presence. Until you are transformed. If you have not won the battle of sin. You are not an overcomer. And I'm not just. Trying to escape it theologically. By claiming that. Uh, <laughs> sin does not exist. That's theological intelligence. Because John went further. In verse 7. He said do not be deceived. 1 John 3 verse 7. you see what John said. Little children, let no man deceive you. 
He said, he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So I'm not just talking about what you have in your spirit. I'm talking about how you live every day. It's not just a spirit thing. I know you have the nature of righteousness, but do you live it? That's what he's talking about. So this kind of sin he's talking about has its root in fear and selfishness. That's the foundation of every sin. Every time you find sin, there was either fear or there was selfishness. The reason you want to steal from someone is because of your selfishness. That's why you want to take somebody else's thing. You feel it is good for you, but you want to take it from somebody else because it's not good for the person. What you don't want any young man to do to your sister is what you are doing to other people's sisters. It's selfishness. When you see men sinning, they are either in fear or in selfishness. And that's why the Bible said, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14, 17. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. The reason is because faith is the cure to, self, to, to fear. People are stealing from government today because they are afraid of tomorrow. So they want to heap things so that in case they are out of government, they will have something. But a man of faith knows that even the lilies that do not pray, Solomon in all his beauty is not as decked with glory as they are. He said, have no thought of what you will eat or drink. That's what the hidden do. He said, but you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things that the pagans seek will be added to you. When men don't understand the journey of faith, fear will make them live in sin. And then secondly, when men cannot walk in love, then you find all kinds of evil coming out of their spirit, man. You can accuse every pastor until your father becomes the pastor. Every pastor that you hear did something wrong, you want to stone the pastor to death until that pastor's surname is your father. You can carry the stone and kill every fornicator until the fornicator is your brother or your sister. I'm not endorsing fornication. God hates sin, but he loves sinners. Because God does not want any man destroyed. He rather wants everyone to repent and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So instead of attacking, I'm charging us to intercede for. Everything we do to people that is not of God is because love is not rooted in love. The day love comes, we will function better. Our actions will be wicked until love comes. Somebody claims he wants to bring judgment over his situation and is considering only justice. You will still be wrong. You can't judge only on the premise of justice. For judgment to be accurate, there must be justice, there must be love, and there must be mercy. That's why in Habakkuk chapter 3, he said in judgment, remember mercy. If it is you, you will add love and mercy. But when it's somebody else, you will judge only on the basis of justice and equity. You are not true. The cure to the evil of the world is love. There's too much bitterness in our world. 
There's too much hatred in our world. There's too much wickedness in our world. And the reason is because love is this curse. When an overcomer arises, through intimacy with the Holy Spirit, like the Bible said, him that abideth in me, the love of Christ will be shared abroad in their hearts. Romans 5 verse 5, the love of God. That's the cure to the problem of our world. So for a man to become an overcomer, he must win the battle of death. He must win over Satan. He must win over sin. He must win over the world. And he must win over the flesh. This is what we call transformation. A man comes to a point where he has journeyed from regeneration through transformation even unto transfiguration or transubstantiation. That's an overcomer. What Jesus is doing on the last day is what we call transubstantiation. We are being changed. But before we got to transubstantiation, we had passed through regeneration. That's when we received Christ and our spirit was changed. And we have journeyed with the Holy Spirit through transformation. And then Jesus consummates it at the end through transubstantiation where our bodies are changed. And everything the world says we are, we become by experience. Overcomers we rise from this assembly, from this territory, from this nation, and from the world. A new order of Christianity will be born. Men that are like the God that they serve. Because the Holy Spirit will renew their minds. The Holy Spirit will transform their souls. The Holy Spirit will mortify their body. And the Holy Spirit will energize them to walk and to live the God life. You want to be a star forever? Then you must Beyond being a Christian, you must be a Christian indeed. And a Christian indeed is an overcomer. One that have won the world, death, Satan, sin, and the flesh. Can we bow our heads and talk to the Lord this morning? Ibuchuku idima Ibuchuku nyedike Ibu alfana omega mu Ipazu Malitengogogo Yakamjinasi Ibuchimo Ibuchuku itima, ibuchuku nyedike, ibu alpha na omega mu. Oyembu no nyekwazo, malitendo gogo, yakamjina se ibuchim. Idie bube, idie bube, idie mimi, oh, ibu alpha, 
sing this song one more time the things you have heard you have not heard them just to be informed you have heard them because it's a call back to the place of intimacy it's a call back to the place of responsibility responsibility for your soul by the help of the Holy Spirit and responsibility for your word because God needs you. Some of us, we live for ourselves. But today the Lord calls you into an army. Just in case you want to rededicate yourself to the Lord. And say, Lord, whatever you have me do, I'm willing. Whatever your agenda is on the earth, I'm willing. To commit myself, my time, my money, my all. Because I want to finish this race as an overcomer. You can walk to the front. Idio mimi Ibu alpha na omega mo I'm not talking whether you are in the choir or whether you are a minister. I'm talking about completely rededicating to the Lord. Edio mimi Oh ibu alpha na omega mo Oh ye wonyi kwazu malitendo gugu yakamje na se ebuti mo Edio bobe Edio mimi Oh, Ibu Alpha, Omega, Oh, Yehudo, Yipazu, Malitel, Yogogo, Yakamji, Nasi, Ibu, Chibu. Talk to the Lord from the depths of your heart. I will pray for you and the power of the Holy Spirit will rest upon you. Or talk to the Lord. Make that commitment. Relationship with the Spirit is not on the basis of feelings. It's on the basis of covenants and commitments. Make a commitment this morning. Omega, 
received the Lord you've never received Jesus as Lord and you want to do that this morning as well I'm telling you there are still many of us that have no commitment to the Lord and the Lord is inviting us this morning there is a grace that will rest upon you to commit and dedicate your life to the Lord Jesus. I'm still waiting for you for one more minute. Some of you, you are summoned to the place of prayer because God needs you as an intercessor. But you are still struggling to walk in that grace. Some of you is evangelism. Some of you is giving. There are some of us that are even struggling to still live a righteous life. There is a grace available this morning. Trust me when I tell you this, I deliberately kept the service calm because I wanted to share these truths with you. Please make your way to the front. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what the glory He shed on the way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And for who will trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but the trust and You want to place your hands on your chest? Some of you are crying. That's the move of the Holy Spirit on your soul. For some of us, the Lord will break us. For some of us, the Lord will reveal a dimension to us so that we will become the expression of that dimension. Say, Dear Father, I come to you today as a sinner. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for my sins. 
He was raised from the dead for my justification. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I receive eternal life into my spirit and from today I walk in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. I receive grace to do your eternal will in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, just stay calm where you are praying. The Holy Spirit will, will touch a few of you. All of you will receive something from the Holy Spirit this morning. But for some of you, there is a particular empowerment that will come upon you instantly for the work of the kingdom. A gift is about to be activated. A gift of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit rests upon you now. There will be an activation of spiritual gifts. Some of you will receive grace instantly to become soul winners. Some of you, your altars will be activated even as I speak right now by the strength of the Spirit. Everyone in front here, let there be an impartation of God's Spirit. Now, Holy Ghost, touch them. So all the way to be happy in Jesus to trust and obey when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word for the glory he shed on the way while we do his good will he abides with us still to all who will trust and obey thank you father thank you father thank you father those of you in the congregation, can you please rise? And let's just be still before the Lord for another two minutes. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that's about to take place here now. Just play the keyboard for me gently. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The hand of God is coming upon people even right now. Those who came out those who are in the congregation. The hand of the Lord is coming upon people. Just stay, just stay sensitive. Some of you will begin to speak in tongues uncontrollably. Some of you will begin to prophesy. Father, in the name of Jesus, now, 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 touch, touch, Impartations of the Spirit. Impartations of the Spirit. The grace and the power for mighty works. Some of you are receiving anointings to heal the sick. Graces to heal the sick. Graces to walk in the miraculous. Some of you, your altars are coming alive. Holy Ghost, touch. Some of you who are worshippers, the Lord is putting power to cast out devils. Cast out devils. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Touch. 
How shall servants that the Lord is ministering to? I'm seeing ladies receiving the ability to tarry in the place of prayer. Warrior intercessors with power to engage the altar and to change things by the spirit. Power. Power to engage the altar. Women, the Bible says, receive their dead back to life. Receive that impartation. Men that understand times and seasons and know what the body needs to do. The grace to see the grace to know, the grace to understand, it rests upon you this morning. So river flow, river flow, let it turn the river flow in your church once again. Let it turn it River flow, river flow, let it turn river flow in your church once again. Let it turn it in river. Let it turn river flow in your church once again. River Receive a fresh baptism Fresh impartation Fresh grace Fresh ability The Holy Ghost reigns upon you Fresh River We are sure you have been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center off Banex Guarampa Expressway near next Cash and Carry Abuja. 9 a.m. Sunday and 6 p.m. Wednesday. Call us on 070-31588-404. You can also find us online on our website www.thefatherschurchonline.org Facebook Facebook.com slash thefatherschurch Our Twitter handle at thefatherschurch Also on Instagram thefatherchurch God bless you.